Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and His Word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to the book of Romans, chapter number 5. We've been in a series uh, entitled Heart Murmurs, and this month it has been God's Heart Murmurs for blank. It's been a different thing every week. Uh, This week, uh, I believe that God wants to say something to us about our relationships. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter number five. And if if you're a nerd and you should be, uh, I want you uh, to write down God's heart murmurs for relationship. God's heart murmurs for relationship. Uh, I'm excited about this message because uh, there's something that happens when we have a context to relationship that really brings all of our relationships alive. So Romans chapter number five, when you have it, say amen. Amen. If you need a minute, say, wait a minute. Same person that said amen said, wait a minute. Romans chapter number five, starting at the sixth verse. Here's what it says. When we were utterly hopeless, I'm sorry, utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's good stuff. So God's heart murmurs for relationships. Uh, th- there was a, uh, uh, a song that came out several years ago. I am a friend of God. I am. A, it was like a great banner waving song. Like if you were in a church where people wave banners, when that song came on, the flags came out. Okay, people were like, yes. <laughs> like they didn't make it for the drill team, but they made it in church. So, okay. He calls me friend. Uh, someone paid for that. Not like paid the rights to the song to sing in church. Someone actually paid for us to be friends with God. They, 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 they paid with their life so that we could be called friends of God. Now, this word friendship uh, 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 in, in the Greek is actually the word reconcile. And, and that word reconcile is to restore a previous relationship. What's important for you to understand is that we had 
of friendship with God and lost of friendship with God due to disobedience and sin. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he reconciled a previous relationship. He restored something that was so it could be back to its previous setting. We were friends with God, lost that relationship, and became friends of God again because Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for our sins. I love how Paul articulates this because he says, hey, listen, um, there, there's, there, even though somebody's good, no, nobody's willing to die for like a good person. Like they might like them a lot, but if you said, hey, will you take a bullet for me? They're usually talking figuratively. Like, hey, man, I really love you. I take a bullet for you. And it's like, oh, let's find out. And they're like, hey, well, really, that was more a figure of speech. I don't want to actually take a bullet for you. Uh, uh, Jesus did more than take a bullet. He took a beating. Not, not only did he just take a beating for one of us, it was for all of us. And that brought us back into a relationship with God. Let me prove it in Genesis chapter number one. Verse number 26, here's what it says, and this is point number one. Please write this down. God wants to enjoy you. When it comes to relationship, God wants to enjoy a relationship with you. And here's how we know that he wanted that. Genesis chapter number one, verse 26 says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life and this I'm sorry, and that is what happened. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So let's talk about this creative God who has created all of these things in six days. And after six days, he says, all of this is great. All of this is wonderful. I made cattle. They look great. I made sea creatures, they look great. I made birds, they look great. Now I wanna make something that has my image. Something that will represent me in the earth in the same way I represent myself in heaven. The difference between everything else he had created up until that point and when he scooped up the dust from the ground is that he blew his breath into this dirt. Every other animal was animated It existed, but it wasn't alive. Alive in the terms of being consciously aware of what is going on and to articulate and express emotions. He breathed into this dust and man became a living soul. Here's why he did that, because he wanted a relationship with you. And from that day to this day, the reason why we compel people as ambassadors, according to 2 Corinthians chapter number five, come back to God. We want to reconcile a relationship because he wants to be in a relationship with you. 
He does not want you to see him as this angry God who is distant. He wants you to see him as this close, personal God who created you and wants a friendship with you. I don't know how long it was between the time God created Adam to the time everything fell off, but they had a great relationship. The reason why I know they had a great relationship, and we'll find out in a minute, is because uh, Adam is just trial of the line through the, through the garden, naming everything. This had to make God really, really happy. The reason why he named everything is because he was in connection with his God. How did Adam get to name? Well, first of all, tarantula. Let's just start there, okay? And I know uh, uh, the word, the, 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 you know, the insect fly had to be one of the last things he named because he just called it what it is and what it was doing. Can you imagine starting from the biggest creatures to the smallest creatures and this fly comes by? Well, what do you want to name that? Fly. Are we done? Okay, I was, it already took me a minute to get past Roach. So that's just a fly, because I'm over it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. But they had communion, and they had a relationship. And God wants that relationship with us. He wants that to be the primary relationship. This is why when you see it in Scripture, it's the first relationship he made. Is between God and this individual. God wants an individual relationship with every single one of us. I know we gather corporately, but when we gather corporately to express how great our God is, when we, when we lift up the name of God, what we're really doing is expressing individually how great he is to us. When you look in scripture, what you find is a holy God that goes into a relationship with some dust because he wanted a personal, individual relationship with it. Point number two, write this down, because it's the second thing that God did. God wants you to enjoy your marriage. God wants you to enjoy your marriage. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter number two. Starting at the 18th verse. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, formed from the ground all the animals, uh, wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. We just talked about that. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Who noticed this? It wasn't Adam. It was God. Okay. God said, you know what? I don't think I should leave this guy like this. Because even though he has a great relationship with me, it's not that he's going to get bored with me, but the relationship that I have with him is very, very spiritual. And he's just named all of these animals and all these, I don't know if all the animals came through holding hands. I don't know if they were already couples and they were just hooked up. Two lions were just, you know, walking real close together, and Adam's like, okay, tigers, elephants, and I don't know if, if, if God is the one that just said, you know what, it's not good for you to be alone, or if, if he just knew that Adam was lonely at the end of that, like, really? I can swim with these fish. 
and I can train these birds to fly. Oh! <laughs> right, come, come right here and land on my arm. Um, uh, and I can ride the elephant uh, and the lions, because I'm the king of the jungle, holla back. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, just think about that. Before the fall, there, there, there would have been no animals attack. You remember that, that there was a show that actually came on when animals attack. And it'd be like a random deer in your backyard. And you'd be like, hey, deer, come get away. And <laughs> just smack you. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened before the fall. Why? Because they saw the image of God in man. God took a picture of himself in Genesis chapter one and put it in a frame in Genesis chapter number two. That frame is this body that we're in. So all the animals walked up and was like, mm, mm-hmm, never mind. But after the fall, there was a distortion in the image, and all chaos broke out. Here's what he says. It says that, that, that God is the one that, that initiated this and came up with this. He said, it's not good uh, that this man has no helper. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last! The man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. God created a a man, and he had an individual relationship with him. And then he turned around and put that man to sleep, pulled out a man with a womb, and gave him back to the man, and it was the first marriage. Can I say something that has been made very, very controversial in this country, but it's not controversial at all for believers? Man is between, uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. There's been such a controversy made in our country. Oh, then you must be against this and you must be against that. And you must be against gay marriage and you must be against homosexuals. No, we're not. But if you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ and you want to get married, it is between a man and a woman. Because that's what he made in the beginning. I don't have to point to scriptures that come against your lifestyle. I'm pointing to the law of first mention that talked about the way life was supposed to be styled. And he put a man to sleep and he pulled out a woman and gave him back to the man and said, y'all are married. This was the first official marriage in the entire world. He didn't say, hey, date each other. Adam, if you like Eve, keep her. You know, if you don't like her, I'll put you back to sleep. Pull out another one. You got a few ribs left. I'll just keep going till you find the one you want. Can you imagine if he was like on his fourth or fifth one? This side would just be caved in. It's like, Adam, your pecs aren't actually aligned. We make it so controversial, but it's really not controversial. If, and let me tell you why. Because if you're, not a, um, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, none of this applies to you. 
it seems to me that we've gone out and tried to put our lifestyle as believers on people that didn't even say they believed. That's kind of not a good way to establish a relationship. You don't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? Your life is foul. You're going to hell. All right. Better get Jesus or you're going to die. It's not actually an ambassadorial approach to establishing diplomacy with people that you would like to come into your country. But scripture is very, very clear. The law of first mention says that it's between a man and a woman and God is the one who did it. In Matthew chapter number 19, verse number six, it says the same thing. And this is Jesus repeating it. Haven't you read the scriptures? Hello? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Listen, God wants you to enjoy your marriage. All the married folks. Some of y'all didn't raise that hand with enthusiasm. Some of y'all was like, what? Listen, whether you have a great marriage or, or, or your marriage is not so great, here's what I want you to know. God wants you to have a great marriage. Amen. Let me go a little further. With the spouse you have right now. Amen. So throw every other scenario out the window. And ask the Lord to give you a hard reset to fall back in love with the person he gave you in the first place. Well, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't know what's happening in my marriage. God does. And two people that are submitted to Christ can be submitted to each other and have an incredible marriage. I'll prove it. Ephesians chapter number five. And further, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ooh, I can't wait to get into this. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church, as the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Okay. Now, before all the men go, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. Let me ask you this question. Are you submitted to Christ? Husband. Because it's really easy for a woman to submit to a man who submitted to Christ. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her and to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. 
In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Here comes this verse again. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Let me stop right there and say that a great marriage actually is a perfect picture of Christ and his bride. When you see two people that love each other and love Christ, you are actually seeing a perfect idealistic picture of what Christ and the church should look like. I'll explain that more in a minute. Here's what it says at the end, and this boggled my mind, and so you'll have to indulge me while, I, uh, while we unwrap this. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Keep that up. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Husband, how come, how, um, how come, how come he didn't tell us to do the same thing? How come he just didn't tell us both to love each other or both respect each other? He tells the husbands to love. He tells the wife to respect. How come, how come he's not telling them to do the same thing? think I know, because I study. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Go back to Genesis chapter number three and see what happens. Eve, scripture says, is deceived. Then she brings the fruit to Adam. He eats and he sins. What happened? What happened? In Genesis chapter number three, Eve gets deceived. She falls into a trick from the serpent. And when she falls for this trick, Adam sees it, but Adam doesn't run to her to protect and cover her. He actually takes a bite of the fruit himself. Stay with me. Eve did not respect Adam enough to submit her thought to him. And he did not love Eve enough to die for her. So he dies with her instead of for her. Now, we know this has to be the case because what does Christ do for his bride? He doesn't die with his bride, who he sees stained with sin. He dies for his bride. See, here's the way Genesis should have worked. Eve should have bit the fruit, and then Adam should have said, oh, no, you man, oh, baby. Oh, sweetie, I tell you not to buy that purse. 
You kept looking at it and looking at it and looking at it, and then you bought it. Oh, man. Do you know the penalty for this? The penalty is a disconnection from God. I'm, I love you so much, I'm not going to let you pay for that. Then he should have just started screaming, Daddy! 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 Instead of God having to come find them in the garden hiding, he should have been the one to confess it openly. First John says that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. Stay with me. I'm in it. Daddy, come here. Come here. You see her? That's the woman you gave me, and I love her. And I know what the penalty for, for this is. It's disconnection from you. It's a relationship outside of what it's supposed to be like. I have a relationship with you, and I want you to still have a relationship with her. So instead of you punishing her, I want you to punish me. I'll take whatever her punishment is on me because I love her that much. See, a man's love for a wife can't be, I love you, baby. I told you I love you. How come you don't believe me? I love you. I mean, how many times do you want me to say it? I love you. A man's love for a woman is not with words, it's with actions. The words are fine if that's your love language, but let me tell you what love is. Love is absolutely expressed. And when it is expressed to that degree, here's what happened. The woman automatically respects. Here's what it said in Ephesians 5. Hey, would you, uh, uh, would you husbands love your wives and would you wives respect your husbands? How was that accomplished? When a husband loves sacrificially, a woman respects unanimously. Now, you might say, well, that's just idealistic. I've tried to sacrifice, and it just hasn't worked. Be patient. There's no marriage that starts off at 100. You build towards it with a lot of sacrifice and a lot of respect. Here's what Jesus did for us that Adam didn't do. That's why he called him the second man, Adam. Jesus came and said, I see this woman and uh, this bride, th these people, and uh, I want them back in relationship with you, you so bad, I will bleed out for them. It's amazing to me that when it comes to our reciprocity to this action, what are we commanded to do more than anything? We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to fall in love with our relationship with Jesus. But what is the church really commanded to do? Submit. Respect the sacrificial love that was given to us by Jesus and submit to his authority. When we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, what we are saying is, I really respect and honor what you did for me on the cross. And in a healthy marriage, there should be a lot of bleeding out by men and a lot of respect by women. Because the Bible says so. 
So, man, are you, are you being sacrificial in your love? Or are you being selfish with your love? And ladies, are you, are you in a reciprocal manner respecting what is being given to you extravagantly or are you rejecting it? God wants us to enjoy marriage. He wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. And secondly, he wants us to enjoy our marriage. Here's the reason why I feel like this is so important. Because the enemy doesn't want you to have a good marriage. And here's why he doesn't want you to have a good marriage. First of all, let me just say something. You're not that special. No one's going through what I'm going through in my marriage. <laughs> yes, they are. Y'all just haven't been in a small group together. That's the only problem. Because you would have heard it already. It's not, that, it's not that you're so special. It's the picture that you represent. He hates the picture that you represent. Well, there's a lot of marriages that are good and they don't have God in the middle of it. I know, but that's an incomplete picture of what the marriage is really supposed to be. When two people are submitted to Christ and they're ooey-gooey in love with each other, sacrificial love and respect, Satan starts getting nervous because he's like, that's the kind of stuff the kingdom comes back for. This is the kind of stuff that starts to push generational curses out and allow generational blessings to reside for a thousand generations. I want my kids, 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 kids to go. My great, 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 grandparents had a great marriage and it established a generational blessing and we've been walking in it for the last 15 generations. That happens when you have a healthy biblical marriage and you work at that. If you're not there now, this is, this is just a mirror. If you're not there now, just go, you know what, I'm, I, 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 need to, I, need to, I need to own up to this. I need to respect more. I need to sacrifice more. I need to do whatever I need because I want that in marriage. And you work at that with the spouse you have now. I'm saying that. That's a real thing because the, 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 the divorce rate in church is as high as it is in the world. So it's not like you came in here and got holy and yay. We have to work at this because every time there's a breakup of a marriage that God brought together, all it is is showing the world is why should, why should I? If this is a picture of Christ in the church, then I guess Christ breaks up with his church all the time, too. I know it's strong, but I'm telling you, this is how we should look at the marriage that we are in now. I'm talking about the past, I'm talking about right now. Point number three, write this down. God wants you to enjoy your friends. Now, I'm really sensitive about this because uh, a lot of times when uh, you talk about marriage, uh, all the people that are not married go, oh, well, I guess, well, whatever. I'll just, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the tip to the married people. What about me? I'm still waiting on the Lord. Okay? Well, let, let me say a couple of things. Um, 
go, go read, go read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. It's not part of my message today, but go read 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. You, 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 you'll have some great material about being single. S- single is not a curse on your existence. Okay? It's, it's, it <laughs> now, if some married people said amen to that, I need you to... <laughs> I need you to discipline you. Just wait till the message is over. Don't give all your thoughts away right now. Single's not a amen today. I want to redo. Stop. Okay? Here's what I'm saying. Being single is a blessing just like being married is a blessing. Now, let me ask this question. Don't be ashamed. How many people have a desire to get married? You're not married, but you have a desire to get married. Hand up high. Don't, don't, Okay. Don't play yourself. You want to get married, okay? You're like halfway like, I don't know, is it, am I, I mean, currently it's complicated. I didn't ask you all that. I just want your name, put your hand up. Okay, I just got out of relation. I don't, shut up. I, think, I, don't, I don't care, okay? Right, you want to get married, okay, amen. All right, you want to get married? I want you to be married. But until you get married, you don't have to be stay, you don't have to stay in one spot waiting to get married. Here's the best way that you wait to get married. Go out and do something. Go have fun. Your status is not, I ain't married yet. That's not an actual thing. It's not even on Facebook. It's not a thing. It's not a status. You're single. Enjoy being single. If you're a lady, enjoy being single until you're found. Because that's what scripture says. That a man finds a wife. Not a woman. A wife, which means he's a wife when he finds you, which is more than being just a woman. Woman is what he made you. A wife is how he finds you. Which means you don't look, you're the one that's supposed to be found. Which means for the men, you're supposed to look. You're not the one supposed to be found. So if you're being pursued by a woman, that is, that is antithetical to the kingdom. Because that would be like me pulling up behind a cop car and flashing my lights and honking my horn, trying to pull it over. I don't have the authority to pull the cop over. The cop has the authority to pull me over. So when you're single, enjoy it. Go out and make some friends. Be friendly. If you're, if you're in a married relationship, I know your spouse is your best friend, okay? But, but your spouse can't be everything to you. And so you should have healthy relationships outside of your marriage, healthy friendships outside of your marriage. God created you to have these kind of friendships. How do I know this? Because you're his friend. We just read it in Romans chapter number five. What Christ did on the cross restored a previous friendship that we had with God so that we could have it again. Here's some scripture for you. Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter number 11, verse number 30, one of my favorites. The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life, a wise 
person wins friends. Now, if you have King James or New King James, what you've probably committed to memory is he that winneth souls is wise. And people have used this um, particular verse to just go out and, and, and use it for evangelism. There's no, there's no problem with that. But I know a lot of mean evangelists. I know a lot of mean believers who, who, who love God a lot, but don't have any friends. And then claim because of their uh, relationship with God, it's the reason why they can't be friends with people. I just, I, hold on, I just want to get this straight. So what you're telling me is you came in a relationship with a loving God that made you, because of your love for him, not get along with other people he made. That's what you're telling me. Well, you know, I have just such, such a disciplined life in the Lord that it just rubs people the wrong way. No, it rubs everybody the wrong way. People just can't handle the, 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 the place I'm in with God. Well, that, you're, you're in a mean place. That's why they can't handle it. You're rude. And you're blaming it on God, which is really distasteful. Because I don't think he brought you in a relationship with him to be mean to people that he made. So go make a friend with your deep self. Just make a friend. My prayer life rubs people the wrong way. You pray wrong. <laughs> I got to stop. Okay. <laughs> Felt something coming. Woo. Okay. Proverbs 27, 17. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs 27, 17. This is, oh, oh, boy. I'm cracking myself up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, I, used to, I used to do stand-up for two years. So you have to understand that sometimes I'll be preaching something, but then that comedian is like zinging them, like right across the bow of my brain, and I have to ignore it. So y'all my small group, so we're all right. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. A real friend will sharpen your character, your integrity, your fidelity for Christ. That's how you know if it's a good friend. It's, it's not a good friend if it causes you to become more carnal, more, more of a complainer, and more of a person that, that, that doesn't have a close relationship with God. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. God wants you to enjoy your friendships. Now, now I, have, I have some great friendships um, uh, w with, with many people, but um, the, the, the thing I love most about my, my, my friendships is I'm not in any friendship that would allow me uh, to wallow in depression, uh, low self-esteem, sin. I, I have people that can actually check me. That's a great friend. 
when you have a friend like that, you have a, when you have a friend that will call you and just say, hey, what you doing? Holy Spirit just put you in my heart. What you doing, though? Sometimes it's, I'm not doing nothing. Good, just check it. Other times it's, man, you caught at the right time because, wow, I got some stuff going on right now, and, it, and it's really... It's, it's, it's really bothering me. It's not that uh, uh, I, I'm articulating something to them that I can't articulate to my wife, but with a great friend, you may be able to articulate it in a different way. Sometimes it may be uh, 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 an issue that you're trying to work out with your spouse, and a great friend will give you godly counsel and wisdom to it. A great married friend. Please hear what I said and did not say, okay? Your single friends should not be giving you marital advice, okay? And a lot of times you need another single friend to give you some single advice because a married person is just like, I don't understand what the problem is. Just pray about it. And you're like, you know what? Never mind. You have a spouse. My bad. God wants to enjoy a relationship with you because he's the one that created you. God wants you to enjoy a relationship with your spouse because he's the one that created marriage. And he wants you to enjoy a relationship with your friends because he's your friend. When you have these three relationships firing on all cylinders, you're a much happier person than when you don't have it. You can't have a great marriage and great friends without having a great relationship with God. That's called a lie. You're living a lie. You don't have communion with God, but you're now putting on the front for your family and your friends that everything's good. It doesn't work. It disintegrates. It starts with a relationship with him. And I believe that God is drawing us closer. I love that we did praise and worship with one psalmist today because it allowed all of us to really just engage in worship individually and intimately. This is what he's looking for with us. And so you may, be, you may feel like you're really, really close to God right now. Draw even closer. You can never be too close. But you may be in here and you know that there's been some distance and if there's been distance between you and God, then I guarantee you there's distance in your marriage and in your friendships. And so I encourage you to come back to God today because God's heart murmurs for relationships. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.